preaching to you, teaching to you theology for daily living. And uh, so tonight, we're going to continue in the same mindset of teaching. Amen. We need to understand the importance of finishing. Finishing in life. We can start a lot of things, but very few people finish. They don't finish well in life. They don't finish well in just about any endeavor in life. The problem is they get started, but then they just don't keep going. And, and so tonight, um, you can take what we're preaching and teaching, which deals with our walk with God and our run in the faith. You can take the same things and apply it to every area of your life, okay? Because normally that's where your battle is going to be. Because it is a long distance run. <laughs> In the first mile or two, it's not too bad. I've never ran a long distance, long marathon. Now, I used to run long distance, and some of y'all in here have run long distance, cross country. Um, I've never run a marathon, and uh, I can only imagine what that would be like. You know, I used to die. It used to be two miles when I was in high school, then they increased it to three miles. And uh, I used to die at the end of two miles. And I can only imagine what it'd be like to run, what is it, 26 miles now? It was 26-mile marathon. And you start running, you're probably doing all right. But about the 23rd on, you're just about to die. And at that point, you can get real wary, and you do get real wary. And uh, I'm going to speak to you tonight because we have been at this for a while now. Uh, how many years? About 23 years? About 23 years since we started this work. Now, my wife and myself were busy before we ever started this one. So we've been at this for a long time, seems like, even though we're real young. Physically, we're really, really young. But it seems like we've been at this for ever. Uh, but anyway, just in relationship to this church, about 22, 23 years. So the longer you go, the more endurance you need. Amen. And uh, I can never understand why somebody lived for the Lord for a year or two and quit. Amen. Or somewhere along that time frame, you know, they just hit and miss and, you know, they're not really in the living for the Lord. I just don't understand that. Uh, some of you have been living for God for a long time, 10, 15, 20 years, and you kind of get tired. You get weary in the battle. Amen. When you do, you have to stay focused on the mission not on what is going on around you. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about uh, 
when life when life gets hard and what it takes amen to keep on living and serving the Lord and to finish well how many I want to finish well we're waiting for some of you to start I mean I mean you're here but you know you're here but we're waiting for you to start running because you got to start running before you can claim that you're trying to finish. So we've been waiting for some of y'all for a few years to start running. And then when you start running, then you can start complaining. But if you're not running, you don't have nothing to complain about. Okay? So, all right. So provided that you've already started your race, how many of y'all want to finish well? How many of y'all care? Okay, well, if you don't care, you're already done. You're already on the side of the road sitting on the curb. That's what happens. Let me tell you something about running a race like this. At some point, people just get where they just don't care. I just don't care anymore. So I'm just going to kind of coast, you know. No, not in God's kingdom. So we got, we've got to understand that sometimes it's going to get real tough. And uh, I believe God's Word is going to help you tonight. Amen. To keep running. Okay, go over to the book of Proverbs. I've got you in Hebrews. Keep your place in Hebrews 12. Let's go to Proverbs and 22 and 3. Proverbs 22 and 3. Good to see all of you here tonight. Amen. It's a Wednesday night. So we're going to be having people coming in at all hours of the night. Uh, let's see, verse 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. One translation, which you do not like the word, but it is a true word, biblical word. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the stupid pass on and are punished. <laughs> That's the true translation. Now, I don't want to just pass on, you know, and ignore evil that's in front of me and just keep on going and just till I just end up being destroyed by it uh, and be punished. I just, I want to heed the warnings of God. It's important. So a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Amen. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. How many of y'all glad to be in church tonight? Okay, Proverbs chapter 11 gives us a list of people in the Bible as you have read before, I'm sure. Uh, some people call them the heroes of faith. Amen. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about these so-called heroes of faith. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's the heroes of faith, of chapter 11. 
We are compassionate about, a, about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, you see that? Amen. Say the joy that's ahead of you. Alright, the joy that was set before Him endured. So you have two things here. You have joy that keeps you going. The joy of the future reward. The joy that the race is going to fit, be finished at some point. You can't go on forever. You can't run forever. There has to be a finish at some point. And it, so if there is no finishing point, then you will not survive. But because you know that at some point your race is going to end. And when you finish that race, if you're a marathon runner, then when you get done running that race, it doesn't matter what place you came in. If you were able to finish that long 26-mile run, you start rejoicing and celebrate. There's joy because why? Simply because you finished the race. You accomplished it. But in the process of running that race, it takes a lot of grit. You have to have a lot of grit. So the Word of God is lacking in you. If you think it's going to be easy living for the Lord, it lacking our walk with God, so to speak, as a marathon run. And it's going to take a lot of grit, but also a lot of joy, knowing that if we can finish the race, just finishing it, just accomplishing it, is going to bring great joy. Okay, so that's what Paul is talking about. That's what kept him going. He said he knew that it was long, that it was hard. He had to endure, but it was going to be joy at the end. And then he says, gives us an example of Jesus enduring the cross, despised the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, he finished. And there was joy for him. How many know it wasn't easy to go to the cross? It was very difficult to go to the cross. It took everything for him to go to the cross. So you can in a sense say grit. But he knew once he got through that struggle, got through that pain, got through that suffering, that there was going to be great joy because of the accomplishment. Alright? For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Amen. Get tired, get weary. Many of us tonight are weary in the battle. We are weary in the battle. We are weary in this race. And so what happens is you start getting weary and tired in your mind and you, you start fainting. You want to give up. Because it's a long, hard race. It's a marathon run. Okay. Now, before I go any further into this uh, chapter here, again, the heroes of faith of chapter 11 is the great cloud of witnesses that Paul is talking about in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, <clears throat> the title of the message tonight is Run, Walk, Limp, or Be Disqualified. So in life, you're going to be a person that's going to run and you're going to finish running. Are you going to be a person that finishes by walking 
You know, y'all seen marathons, right? You see some man, some people out there they run. What is it? The twenty-six miles, about two hours, a little over two hours. I mean, it seems like they run faster at the end than they did at the beginning. So they finish well. They run all the way to the finish line, through the finish line, and they finish well. Then you got some people in a marathon run, what do you see? They get about halfway done, then they start walking. Right? Okay, but they walk, and they, they make it to the finish line, but they make it walking. And then you got some, they make it to the finish line, but they make it limping. In fact, maybe somebody had to come up underneath them their arm and help them across the line. Right? And then you have some that just didn't run the race according to the rules. They thought they could do it however they wanted to do it. They thought they could break all the rules, do what was right in their own eyes, and uh, they were disqualified. I want to finish well. I, I'm going to be honest with you at this point. Okay, and I don't want to be negative, but I'm being honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Okay? But I am going to learn from the Word of God tonight to try, amen, to, to finish well. Um, it's important, right? That we finish well. That means I want to run to the end. And I want to finish running. And that means I want to serve well to the end. I don't want to just, you know, start out running, doing real well, and then at the end, walk across the line. Or limp across the line. And for sure, don't want to be disqualified. But that's what's going to happen to a lot of people. You're either going to run, you're going to finish well, you're going to walk across the line, you're going to limp across the line or you're going to be disqualified. Now, I'm in the Bible tonight. So, you, you know, we need to take this very serious because this really, brothers and sisters, is God's life call for you and me. If we want to know what life is all about, life is a marathon. That you and I as Christians are called to run. Okay? And uh, so, again, how many want to finish well? Dr. Robert Clinton in his studies and he's got a lot of different studies on leadership. Uh, I've got a little bit of an article, a PDF article finishing well by Dr. J. Roberts Clinton right here. Uh, but here's what he says. This is so interesting. I me recently made this statement in the funeral service of Sister Emilia. I said, I want to finish well. And I pointed to her and I said, she finished well. She was about 90 years old, somewhere in that age. She finished well. And I, and I made the statement remembering what they said in the video that 70% of the people don't finish well. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, man, I hope I remembered that right. I hope that 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 figure, that percentage was right when I said 70% of the people don't finish well because I was doing it from memory. Come to find out, it was right on the money. Dr. Uh, Robert Clinton did a study 
and he studied on people that finish well. And he took the Bible. He took the Bible. And he determined that 70% of people in the Bible did not finish well. 70%. That means only 30% of the people that you read about in the Bible finished well. 70% of the people did not finish well. Now, if that pattern continues in modern day time, that means when you and I start, we may start out running real well. Okay? But if the pattern holds true to modern time, that means 70% of us are not going to finish well. I told you a long time ago, probably a few years ago, that's a long time ago. My great concern right now in my, my time, my life, okay? as a believer, as a Christian, and as a pastor, my great concern at my age is that I finish well. I'm worried about it. Okay? And I should be, come to find out. Because if 70% of people in the Bible started out running and didn't finish well, and only 30%, 3 out of 10 did, I have good reason to be concerned about the way that I finish. And I don't take this lightly and I pray that you don't either. Okay? So he began to um, talk about this and some examples, okay, that we can point out to you here about those that ran well. They finished well. Like Joshua, Paul, and Peter. Joshua, Paul, and Peter. Every one of them finished running. Every one of them ran to the very end. Every one of them served God. Running with everything they had until they crossed the finish line. Now the best thing you can ever do as a Christian is so manage your walk with God and so be so focused on your training and and development and everything that goes in, the discipline of being a Christian, that you have run such a perfect race that right at the end of your race, you collapse in exhaustion because there's nothing left for you to give. But you cross the line totally exhausted serving the Lord. Amen? Now, I can relate to that because when I was in high school, I ran the 800 meters. And we were running up in uh, El Paso. It was El Paso Burgess meet. Man, those people up there on that level, you know, I, I ran for Odessa High School. On that level, those guys were blistering fast. And uh, for you to even qualify to go to the next race was a tremendous accomplishment. And so I was running 800 meters. My coach put me in 800 meter qualifying run. And I ran as fast as I possibly could. And right at the end, I mean, I took one step. I wasn't trying. I took one last step. And when I did, I collapsed over the line. And my coach, I thought he was going to get mad at me. He ran up and he grabbed me. He said, that's, that's exactly how you're supposed to run every time. You're supposed to be so exhausted when you finish that you collapse at the line. And I qualified to go to the next race, but I didn't. I, was probably, I think I was last. They were fast. 
But the point is, no, maybe I was slow. <laughs> maybe they were so fast, I was just real slow. But the point is that when you run, you want to so give yourself to God and serving God well that you run all the way to the end. And when you, when you get to that point and you collapse in death if, it's, if that's the case, you stand before God. God says you ran the perfect race because you gave it everything. Amen? So Peter and Paul and Joshua, they were people in the Bible that ran. And they ran to the end. And they finished to the end. And then we have others that just walked. Some walked because they had issues in their life. Issues. One man that walked across the finish line, his name was David. That means David started out running. And we're studying the life of David. David started out running real well. But David didn't finish the race as well as he began the race because he allowed issues in his life. And then a few other examples, some that limp across the line are people like Eli and Solomon. And the reason why they limped across the line is because they had family problems. Family issues, family problems can cause us to limp across the line. Eli was the kind of daddy that would not hold his sons responsible for their life. He was, if you will, a negligent, delinquent daddy. And as a result of that, the glory of God was stolen. He fell over for Samuel backwards and broke his neck. His two boys were nothing but an absolute total mess because he wasn't the kind of dad that would discipline his children. So if he made it, he limped across the line because of family issues. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. He had a thousand women. He was the testosterone man of the Old Testament. Maybe not. Probably Esau was. And we'll talk about him at the end of the chapter. Now there's nothing wrong with testosterone. You either got... I mean there's not, but you better be careful with testosterone. It can get you in trouble. Amen? So anyway, everybody's looking at your name and say, anyway. I always tell people, you know, uh, if you've got an idea about getting on BioT, testosterone, you know, which is a natural thing that you can do. Uh, if you're a man and you're going to encourage another man to get on testosterone, be careful about that. Because I never tell another man to get on testosterone until I first talk to them about their libido elevation. And I will tell them that they will have great battle in that area. Testosterone's good for your health and other things, women as well, but especially for the man. You know, 
when I hear men always encourage, maybe a man encouraging another man, yeah, get on the Bible tea, it's great. And I'm thinking, did you talk to him about libido? Do they know the battle they're fixing to face? Just you've got to be careful about the counsel and the advice you give other people. Okay? So I always tell people, I'm going to advise them about testosterone. I talk to them about libido elevation. Everybody know what that is? Libido. You don't know what libido is? Physical desire. Okay? I mean, you get on that stuff, you walk by a statue and go, wow. I'm just kidding. Okay? <laughs> Sorry, just being real with you. <laughs> okay. You start whistling at statues. <laughs> and some of the wives are going to come and talk to me afterwards and say, uh, Pastor, can you tell me where my husband can get that? <laughs> anyway, so let me change the subject. <laughs> So anyway, Solomon, 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, man, where'd the man get the time? You keep up with 700. 700 wives, 300 concubines? Man, he had, he had libido, didn't he? Desire. But they crossed the line limping. Because of issues in relationship to families, their families. And then the fourth one, which is the worst one of them all, is disqualification. And we have people like Absalom, amen, who tried to usurp, you know, authority over David and steal the throne from him. And they had long hair, you know. You remember Absalom got caught up in the tree? Remember that long hair? Okay. So Absalom was disqualified. And then another man you're familiar with in the Word of God, Ahab, completely disqualified in their race. So when we run, we want to run. We want to finish well. We don't want to be of the 30% only. We want to be... Amen. I mean, of the 70% only that, that doesn't, we want to be 30%. I want to finish well. So tonight I'm going to try to help you understand how to finish well. And, and this Dr. Robert Clinton gives them reasons why, because he did some surveys to find out what is it that causes people not to finish well. Okay. And the first one he gives is... Number one, falling morally. If we fail in the area of morality, we will not finish well. I mean, I think we can all get that, don't we? Yeah, but don't let it just go in one ear after the other. Okay? Sexual immorality failure in the area of sexuality will cause you not to finish well. Okay? Number two, financial misconduct. 
Now, these are not my stats. These are his. He did the survey when he studied what is it? Why do not finish well? Financial misconduct. Wanting more. You with me? In greed or we misuse our funds. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I can get the first one, right? Sexual immorality is going to cause me not to finish well. I can get that. How many of y'all get that, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. But how many of us would ever have thought that financial misconduct would cause us, according to the survey he gave, not to finish well? Because we become so absorbed with getting more and more and more. And all that is is greed. Now, I, I, I get it. I understand going to work and providing for your family. I get that. But when you take on so much extra stuff and you don't even need to do it, far above just going and providing for your family, you then move into a place of greed. I want, okay? I either I want more or I'm not handling my finances correctly. Amen. So as a result of that, I have financial misconduct and neglect. That can cause us, all of us, to not finish well. I just, I just can't make enough money. Right? Now it's amazing where we'll live. We'll live at the level of our income. Right? Who God help me. It's real quiet in here. If, 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 if life becomes only about the dollar, it's only about money, 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 money. Getting more, getting more, getting more so I can do more, pay more. Have more, you know. You're not going to finish well. And neither am I. It's important. Okay, so that one kind of surprised me. Did it you? In that survey that he found out people who have financial misconduct don't finish well. Number three, family difficulties. No, they don't surprise us, do they? Can you see how sexual immorality would cause you not to finish well? Yeah. Can you see how financial misconduct can cause you not to finish well? Can you see how family issues and problems can cause you not to finish well? Okay. He breaks it down. Neglecting the family. By not making good decisions. Not loving the family like we should. We should be very serious about our family. Because family difficulties can become traps for us that keep us from finishing well. Amen? Wow. Heavy. Have you ever sometimes had problems in your home, in your family? Did you notice how it affects your walk with God? 
Problems in the children. Problems in the marriage. Wife has a problem. Father has a problem. Dad has a problem. And I mean, it just throws everything. Amen. Into a tailspin and it becomes hard to even make it to church. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not preaching this to condemn you and I'm not preaching this to put you down. I'm trying to preach this to you so when these things come to us, we can say, you know what? That's going to keep me from running to the end. I might walk across the line. I might limp across the line. I might get disqualified. But again, we're trying to finish well. Okay? So that means that I got to be, I got to pay careful attention to my family. I've got to love my family the way I'm supposed to love my family. I can't neglect my family. Because if I do, I won't finish well. Okay? Whoo, glory to God. Number four. He lists in the survey pride. Everybody say pride. Or abuse of power. How does that work? Pride or abuse of power? Our ego gets in the way. Amen? Now you might have it together in the area of morality. You might have your finances together. You might have your family together. But you know what? That one right there can get all of us very easily. Pride and ego. Thinking that it should be better for us. Or we deserve better. Okay, you know what I'm saying. It just... Pride of race, family pride, you name it. But that can keep us from finishing well. And then number five, plateauing. <clears throat> All right. Now, if you've been running this race for the Lord for a long time, okay, you probably at this point you've got your the moral thing straightened out. Although you got a guard, you've got your finances. Hopefully. You know, where they should be. You got your family where it should be. You know, hopefully you got your pride in check. You've been through enough to not be prideful, but to be very humble. You know, but number five, this is the one that gets just about everybody if we're not careful. And it's called plateauing. Okay. That means that you and I get to a place in our life where we just simply become satisfied with what we have done. People, he said, one reason they don't finish well is because they get into this mindset of becoming floaters. What they do is they just begin to float through life. And they have this mentality. You know, I, I look at what I've accomplished in life. I look, look at what I've done serving the Lord and it's enough. You know, I don't feel like I need to do any more. You know, I've done, yeah, I've been successful here. I've done this and I'm accomplished. And so now I'm just going to kick back and I'm going to float through life. And it's called plateauing, being satisfied with yourself. Amen. And that person simply, as he says, drifts into medi mediocrity. They just simply drift into mediocrity. To show you the level of this problem, 
in his survey, he says 85% of the North American church, 85% are either in plateau of the churches in North America are either plateaued or they're declining. That means only 15% of, 15% of the churches in North America are on the rise. 85%. And you got to put people on that because we're not talking about the building. 85% of the people in the North American church have got to a place in their life where they look at their life and say, I've done enough. I'm satisfied. I'm happy with where I am. I'm just going to finish coasting here and I'm going to drift into mediocrity and I'm good. He said, that's one of the things that keep you from finishing well. Amen? Now, the longer you run this race, the harder it is not to plateau. Right? Okay, so I think y'all understand. Now, so now how many want to finish well? So you understand the trappings of sexual morality. You understand the trappings of financial misconduct. You understand the trappings of family difficulties. You understand the trappings of pride, abuse of power, your ego getting in the way. You understand the trappings of plateauing, right? So then if we're going to finish well, and these are the things he said in his survey that keep us from finishing well, if we just focus on fixing those five things, we should be doing pretty well in the end. We should be running across the line like Peter, Paul, and Joshua. We shouldn't end up like David walking across the line. We shouldn't end up limping like Eli and Solomon. We shouldn't end up disqualified like Absalom and Ahab. We should run across the line. If we focus on these five things, because he said these are the main things that keep us from finishing well. Now again, what I told you about your spiritual life, you can take and apply in, in the workforce if you're a manager. These are good good principles for work. Okay? So, we can finish well if we're careful. Amen? In the area of morality. If we're careful... Amen? With how we use our money. If we care for our families. If we don't abuse power. If we stay motivated to give ourselves totally to the work of God. And we, we, we run in service to the very, very end. Hallelujah. And if we do, we'll be the 30% that finish well. Okay? So now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. And let's look at, look at what the Bible says about this. It gives us this picture of this marathon runner and these great cloud of witnesses, these heroes of faith in chapter 11. Some ran well. Some ran across the finish line. Some finished well. Some walked. Some limped. Some were disqualified in the Bible. Okay? Now, when you study the heroes of faith, focus on those heroes of faith rather than all of the Bible where we have some that didn't make it. But when you get to Hebrews chapter 12, the whole chapter, brothers and sisters, is to teach you how to biblically finish well. 
okay? Number one thing you got to know is that this Christianity is a long distance run. It's a marathon run. It is not a sprint. Okay? Everybody get that? All right. And I already showed you in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it's a long run. And we've got to have two things before us. Number one, he says joy and true grit. You're going to make it. And again, this is not you, you know, self-motivating yourself and saying, I can do this. It's not about you relying upon your own strength. It's about you and I giving ourselves to God and letting God strengthen us. Let, letting God from within us by His Spirit because we're relying on Him to give us, as Sister Adele prayed for tonight, wisdom and knowledge and the ability to do it. Okay, Because you and I can't run this race by ourselves. We need God to strengthen us in order not just to get started, but to keep running and to, to finish until we finish. Run across that line. We got to depend on God. But remember, brothers and sisters, that when it gets hard, and it's going to get hard, and I'm going to tell you right now as your pastor, you better get a mindset inside of you that Hebrews 12 is talking about. We are in a big time war right now. Alright? About finishing. There's a lot of things that's trying to keep us from finishing. And I'm telling all of us, your pastor included, every one of you tonight, you better get a mindset and understand this is not time to coast. This is not time to play. This You, you are in a, the battle of your life. I'm in the battle of my life. I am in the run. I'm at the, I'm at the finish. And it's hard. And my heart's beating fast. And my mind's telling me you can't do it. You can't keep going. You're going to die. It's painful. For those of you who are running. Okay? And you're weary in the battle. And you're tired. And you don't know if you can keep on going. Those of you who are running to finish well. Those of you who want to run across the line. I'm talking to you. If you're walking tonight, repent and start running again. If you're limping tonight, be healed and start running again. You, I'm telling you, whatever position, if you're running right now and you're tired, you got to keep running. you got to tough it through. What I'm telling you, and we'll see it in the chapter, everybody here is going to hit a wall at some time. You are going to hit that proverbial wall. And when you do, you have to tough it through. You have to keep running and you have to tough it through because you're going to hit a wall. Amen. So God's going to help us tonight to finish well. This whole chapter 12 is teaching you how to finish this race, to run it and to run it to the end. Hallelujah. And I want to be successful. I want you to be successful. I want to finish well. I want you to finish well. So I got to go to the Word of God and I got to find out what is the answer? Because God has called all of us in this life to run this race. Not just your pastor. Not just mom. Not just dad. But every one of you in this church tonight. God has called you to be a marathon runner. He has called every one of you to run and finish well. He's called every one of us 
when we finish to be running across the line, not walking, not limping, and not be disqualified. Every one of you better put your track shoes on. Every one of you better get in your mind. This is a race, and I've got to run. And it's long, and it's hard. But the good news, when I'm struggling right now, and I don't know if I can take another step, uh, the good news is that the struggle is not going to be here forever. But the victory will be. The pain will not be here forever. But the victory, when the pain's gone and the struggle is over, the victory will, will continue forever and ever and ever and ever. And so Paul is going to tell every one of us in this chapter, surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, what it's going to take for each one of us to put our track shoes on as a marathon runner and run this race and finish well. So the first three verses, I've told you, I've already showed it to you. He said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Say, run. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, say joy, that was set before Him. You've got to get in your mind. You've got to understand it's not always going to be like this. It is not always going to be painful. It's not always going to be a struggle. It's not always going to be bad like this. You've got to keep that in front of you and before you and know if I just keep running, one step is going to take me closer to the finish line. Another step, I can see the finish line. It's close. i got to keep running. I'm tired. and But when I cross that line, I might not be first place, but I do want to finish running. And when I cross that line, I'm going to know I gave it all I I had. I didn't leave anything behind. I gave everything I had to run this race. So you've got to have that in mind and understand it's not always going to be like this. There's some joy that's waiting for everybody here tonight that finishes this race and runs it well and finishes well. But he also talked about the importance that joy that was there, he said he endured the cross. You have to endure the time of suffering, the agony, the pain, the struggle, the running. You have to have true grit. You gotta have a made up mind. I'm not gonna faint in this race. I can't quit. I can't give up. It's hard, but I'm gonna finish it. Joy. And true grit, he's saying in these verses. And then verse 4 through verse 11, he tells us the importance of when we're running this race that you got to tough it out when you hit the wall. Everybody here, you're going to hit the wall at some point. You will. I, I, I hit the wall. I hit the wall. You're going to hit the wall and you don't know if you can go anymore. And I'm not talking about you You don't think you could go on. You're at a place in your life where you don't... It's real. Let me put it to you this way. You are up against the wall. Hallelujah. And you just got to make up your mind when you're ready to quit. To say, I got to push through this. I got to tough it up. And He will explain the reason why when you hit the wall, verses 4 through 11, why it is important for us to toughen up 
and keep running. Look at your neighbor and say, run tough. He said, the reason is, is you are going to grow in holiness. So it's not wasted. Your pain and you're toughing it up and keeping on going. It's not a waste. It's going to produce in you the peaceable righteousness. Peaceable righteousness is going to produce in you holiness of Jesus Christ. So get tough. You hit the wall. Get tough. Push through. Keep running. So let me read it to you. Verse 4. He said, You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Amen. How many of y'all bled for the gospel? I haven't. Nobody, nobody has, as far as I know here, bled for the gospel. Amen. Your and not mine basically is inward. It's inward pressure. It's mental battles. It's 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 the war from outside and the war from inside. But none of us, as far as I know, have been persecuted. And so Paul said, You haven't resisted under blood. Striving against sin. Verse 5, you, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourges every son whom He receives. See, He doesn't do this to us because He's trying to destroy us and get rid of us. He's doing it so when He disciplines us and He corrects us and He scorns us, then He can receive us. It's not so He can hurt you. It's so He can receive you and I. And scourging is no fun. It's painful, right? You get that? Amen. I saw somebody did something today. i got to share with you. Brother, would you come here? And I thought it was a great example. He says, when you grab your son in the arm or your daughter, you grab him and say, and try to shake him, you know, try to shake him into reality, you know, trying to get a point across. He said, you're not shaking him to hurt him. You're shaking him to help him. You're, you're shaking them so they'll, they'll, they'll change, so they'll make good decisions, right? And so that's what God does. Is he, he, allow, he, he disciplines us. He corrects us, not because He's trying to destroy us. But so we'll make it. So we'll finish the race. And when He's doing that, when He's disciplining us and He's rebuking us and He's correcting us and He's scourging us, we, we, the Bible says don't faint in your minds. If you endure chastening, God daily with you is with sons. For what son is whom, whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you without, be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be what? Partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. God is letting you know that if you would just toughen it up, and, and, and this is connected, by the way, with running the race. 
because it takes discipline to run the race. And it's painful. But God says, if you will, you will be partakers of His holiness. And you'll have this peace of, peaceable righteousness inside of you. Hallelujah. It's going to work. It's producing something inside of me that's beneficial. And then in verse 12 through verse 17, He gives us things to do to finish well. And He gives us things not to do to finish well. And I'm not going to be long tonight. So I just need to get this cross to you and we're going to run this race by the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay? Okay, so verse 12. Here we go. What to do? Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed. So what's he talking about? When you run a race, how many runners do I have out there? You've, you maybe ran before. Okay? When you're getting close to the end, that's when the arms start doing this. You know, your form is gone. Instead of like this, you started out like this, man. You look like a deer. Whew. Lifting them high, you know. Got the hands going good. Got the head raised. But at the end of the race, man, you're going... You know, like this, and the legs are not being, they're not lifting the leg anymore. It's just like, just whatever you can do to keep it going. That's what he's talking about right here. He's using the picture of the arms flaying, flaying, and the arm, and the legs just going everywhere. He's telling you what happens when you start doing that, when you get out of form, it's called slowdown. Okay. So you keep running, you keep running, you run tough, but there's going to come a time you hit that wall and you just keep running. If you're not careful, there's going to be mental and spiritual slowdown that's going to come in your life. And he says, you got to, what does it do? What do you say? What do you do? Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. He's saying to you, don't allow yourself to get into mental or spiritual slowdown. Get your mind where it needs to be. Get your spirit, your walk with God where it needs to be. And stop slowing down. Because He wants you to do what? Finish well. How many of y'all sometimes you get so tired in your walk with God, the arms are just going everywhere, man. You're doing everything you can just to keep going. How many ever have mental slow down? Spiritual slowdown. Yeah. Yeah, you hit the wall. Okay. Gather yourself. In Jesus' name. Trust God to, to get you, you know, get your form back. Get your mind back. Get your spirit back. Come on, you need to get back in the race here. Let's get it going. And you know how it is when you're running a race, long distance run. You got to talk to yourself. Keep going. You're slowing down. Pick it up. Keep up with that guy in front of you. You know? Your hands are not where they should be. Your legs are not where they're supposed to be. You're not breathing right. Okay? So you, even in a race, you've got to think about where your hands are, where your legs are, how you're breathing. All of these things. You're making decisions to finish as fast as you can. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. You all ever heard the kick? The end of the race kick? 
that end of the race kick is just as important as the start. See, He don't want you just to walk across the line. He wants you to have a kick. That means when you finish, you're sprinting to the finish line. He doesn't want you just jogging across the finish line. He wants you to have something inside of you that's going to cause you to have a spiritual kick. You're going to kick and you're going to run and you're going to lift your hands and you're going to lift your feet. And yes, it's painful, but I see joy in front of me because I'm almost there, so I'm going to run fast. And in the process, when you kick, you pass people. When I used to do cross-cutting, teaching cross-country, you know, to some of the young people that run here for Junior Olympics, Sister Lori's the coach now, I would always tell them now, at the end of the race, you got to kick. you got to run as fast as you can. you got to finish across the line running. Because if you don't, people are going to zip by you at the end. And I've seen it so many times. Somebody almost done, and they'll start slowing down. And they aren't at the finish line yet, and they walk. And as soon as they do, somebody passes them. God is saying in this chapter, He wants every one of you to finish well, and that means you sprint. You're going to start fast. You're going to run all the way through the race. And when you get to the end of it, you're going to make sure you got everything in place, and you're going to kick it in to the end, and you're going to finish better than you started or as well as you began. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Easier said than done, huh? That's why Paul is telling us. You got to run tough. Hallelujah. Amen. Say praise the Lord, church. Man, I feel like I need this message. I don't know. I need this message tonight. I want to sprint. Hallelujah. I want to sprint. I want to excel. I want to give myself more to study than I ever have before. I want to have a hunger for the Word of God like I've never had before. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I do. I want to grow. I want to get better than what I was. Not just be satisfied. Hallelujah to the Lamb! Hallelujah. And then he goes on and he tells us some more. But the next part, is for all of us. So Brother Timothy's running with me. Brother Jonathan's running with me. You guys are running with me. The church is running with me. And we're running, you know. We're running as a group. And so there's some obstacles in the way. There's some, there's some problems in the path. Okay? And so here's what he says. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Amen? He's, what he's saying is this, is that in a sense, every one of you here today are ministers. Every one of you. It's not just the pastor, but every one of you. And some of your brothers and sisters are not going to like it. But sometimes in this race, as we run together, we got to get up next to each other and say, now you're running too slow. You're, you're walking. Let's go. Come on. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. And that's what he's talking about. We got to run alongside each other and we got to, we got to hold each other accountable and say, hey, you're running. You're not running like you used to run. Come on. Let's go. Let's run. I'm going to.
this obstacle, we're going to move this obstacle out of the way. We're going to straighten this out. We're going to remove out of our lives things that are hindering us in the path of running. There's some stuff in your life that needs to be straightened out. There's some stuff in my life that needs to be straightened out because it's not flat. We're, we're, we're trying to run on all kinds of obstacles and things in the way that should not be in the way and so I got to come along and say you know what you got some stuff in your life you need to straighten out and you come along and encourage me pastor come on we got to get some stuff straight hallelujah because we're running amen we, we got to finish this race we got to finish it well so we got to make sure the path is what it's supposed to be let's do it together let's finish together don't expect just one person to finish the race and run you got to get in this race too and you got to help me you got to run next to me and say pastor there's some stuff right here in this path that's in our way be careful be careful you understand what I'm trying to tell you right now the greatest discouragement that any church can have is one brother's running with everything he's got or a sister's running with everything she's got and she looks at the person next to him and they don't even care she looks they look at the person next to him and they're just walking they look at the person next to him and they act like they don't even care anymore about the things of God God is speaking to you in this passage right here as a group he wants all of us every one of us to get next to somebody else and say come on it's time for you to put it in gear it's time for you to run because I see you walking it's a discouragement but if I see you running it's an encouragement if you see me running it's an encouragement make sure you got everything out of the way that's hindering this race and let's run this thing together Whether you like it or not, when you come in here, if you come here nonchalant, you don't care. You don't care about your own walk with God. You don't care about the things of God. It's just ho-hum. I'm just going to sit here any old way. I'm plateaued. I'm satisfied. What you don't understand, whether you realize it or not, you are affecting brothers and sisters around you. You're supposed to be running with us, beside us. We should see you in this race. Somebody said amen. That's what you do if you want to finish well. That's what you do. As a pastor tonight, I'm coming alongside of you here and I'm saying to you in this path to make it you know, level, be careful about moral decisions. Be careful about use your money. Be careful about how you care for your family. Be careful about abusing power and letting ego run wild. Be careful that you don't get to a place where you don't allow yourself to be motivated anymore. Come on, let's run, let's run, let's run, let's run. We're almost there. In fact, why don't you do this? I'll run for a little bit. And we're almost there. Come here, brother. I'll run for a little bit. We got about a mile to go. And then I'll let you kind of take the lead. And I'll run behind you. And then somebody else will come along. And, and we'll let you take the lead. Hallelujah. But it's hard to be out in the front the whole time. 
and just keep on running. You look and there's nobody running with you. But if I got somebody every once in a while say, let me take the lead just a little while. Man, I want to tell you something. That'll help me get to the finish line. God never meant this race to be a one-man race or a one-woman race. He wants all of us running this race. And when I see you running, it encourages me to run. If you see me running, it's going to encourage you to run. We need each other. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. And it's not that you're being judgmental. And I know sometimes if you're not careful, you get, you know, you get your head bit off and spit at your feet. You go there and say, you know, man, I know she's been going through some stuff. But I just want to remind you we're in a race. And I'm encouraging, I'll just let you know I'll pray for you, but I'm encouraging whatever's in your way that's hindering you from running. You need to get it. You need to remove it. Hallelujah. Because God's calling us to run this race together. If you want to finish well, this is what you do. And then He closes it by, by telling us, if you want to finish well, don't do this. And so let me read it to you. Amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for responding to the Word of the Lord. <coughs> he says, Amen. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Stop. He said, this is what you don't do if you want to finish well. The first thing he says that is so important, maybe even hard for us to understand. He said, don't fail in the area of the grace of God. Please sit down for just a minute. Thank you for standing. What does it mean? What, what is he saying when he's warning us not to fail in the grace of God? Is he saying that we no longer be, believe in grace or we stop believing in grace? Of course not. How do you fail in the grace of God? Number one, if I allow sin to be in my life unconfessed, I am failing the grace of God. Sin in your life, sin in my life, brothers and sisters, are a hindrance. That's why He said, lay aside every, way, every sin and wait that does so easily beset us. There are sins that want to beset us in this race. We've got to lay aside the sin and then the weights are not necessarily sinful things, but they are things that are slowing us down in our walk with God. Not everything, brothers and sisters, is a sin in our life. You can't categorize everything as sin. But He said there's sins and then there's weights. And there's, if they're slowing you down, they may not be sin. But they're a weight. There's something that's interfering, that's slowing you down and keeping you from running the race. He said, you not only get rid of sin, 
But he said, even get rid of the weights. Anything that is hindering or slowing your walk down with God. Failing the grace of God means we are allowing sin in our life or weights in our life that's slowing us down in this marathon run. I can fail the grace of God by having sin and refusing. Listen, brothers and sisters, to confess. No longer confessing where I'm wrong. No longer willing to confess the sin or the weight that's in my life. He said, this is what you don't do if you want to finish well. The next one is failing the grace of God is when I have stopped inputting this Word into my life. This book, brothers and sisters, is the grace of God to you. His Word is the grace of God to you. If you don't feed on this, you will become a spiritual anorexic. It is critical. When I last talked to Brother Robbie Yates, he's told me one thing. He said, Brother Carter, he said, this is what I feel in my spirit to, for you to tell your church. He said, tell them to hear the Word of God. He said, because if they don't, they will become hearing impaired. Brothers and sisters, the problem is not the Word of God being preached in this house. The problem is that we're not listening to it. We're not hearing it. And we keep making the same mistakes that God has addressed from this pulpit through His Word. Keep making the same mistakes because we're not hiding the Word of God into our hearts. And some of those mistakes, brothers and sisters, if you got somebody running next to you, if you keep making that kind of a mistake, you can cause your brothers and sisters to fail. You can, you can so discourage your brothers and sisters that they don't want to go on anymore. Because you failed in the grace of God. You stopped listening to the Word of God. And, and living in it and obeying it and hiding it in your heart, you failed that grace that God has given to you. You go very long, brothers and sisters, without feeding. I can't give you all you need. You need to have a personal relationship with God in His Word for yourself. Because if you don't, you'll become spiritual anorexic. And you'll wonder why you don't have the strength to finish the race. Because you failed the grace of God by not inputting the Word into your hearts. David said it this way, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Word of God will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from the Word of God. Lay aside the sin in the way that does so easily beset you. Confess it. That's all you got to do. If there's sin tonight, confess it to the Lord. Don't try to pay for your own sin. Confess it to God. Put it under the blood. 
get back in the Word of God. Get strong again spiritually. Feed upon His Word. We need this Word. You'll never make it without it. You'll become spiritual anorexic and wonder what the problem is. The third thing that will cause you to fail in the grace of God is when you or I begin to miss church. Going to the house of God and hearing the Word of God preached is no longer important in your life. That is to fail in the grace of God. Those three things, and I'm going to qualify, I believe that you would receive them if they were from me originally. Well, those three things came from a theologian. So if you won't hear it from me, would you hear it from somebody else? Because this is what he, this is the way he defined faith in the grace of God. Unconfessed sin. The word of God not being hid in the heart and a failure to attend church. If you don't want to finish, if you, these are the things he says that you don't do. If you want to finish well, don't fail in the area of God's grace. He's given you and I everything we need, brothers and sisters, to finish this race. He has equipped us to finish this race. Not to walk, not to limp, not to be disqualified. But He gave you everything when you started. He gave you everything to finish running across the line. The ability to, to get right if you sin, confess it. A Bible that you can meditate in. A church that you can go to to hear the Word of God preached. To keep you running and keep you encouraged and keep you strengthened. Brothers and sisters running with you. And then the next thing He says that will keep you and I from winning or running and finishing well. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Now, and I think you understand that from an, a, a term where you just get bitter with life. You, you, you get bitter with what's happened to you. You're just bitter. You're, it's, you're just sour. You're sour. Something's gone sour. And, and I do believe that God is talking about that here. You and I can, can go through life and, and just, just turn sour. Amen. But I want to give you a biblical definition for what He's talking about. Lest a root of bitterness springing up into you trouble you. It's not just talking about some kind of emotion you're having because you're having a bad day or, you know, you're having a tough time in life. The good news, brothers and sisters, and I think this is important, is, is because God knows that when we go through life, there's going to be some times when we're all soured in the sense that, man, it's tough. And I believe that God's, God gives us grace and He gives us mercy for those times in our life. I mean, who, who can go through life without being ever affected by, you know, the disappointments and, and the struggles and, and everything that comes to you without at some point, you know, getting a little bit bitter? And I'm not saying stay that way, but I'm saying I believe that God is big. He's a big God. And I'm just telling you, I believe that God can handle that. 
You know, I don't think He said, oh, they're starting to get a little bit bitter. Oh, what am I going to do? No, 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 no. God's a big God. He can handle when you're getting bitter and the things of life. Let me just tell you this. You know, and, and sometimes that bitterness make you mad at God. Oh, I can't believe I could get mad at God. Let me tell you something. You got a God that can handle it. I said, you got a God that can handle it. Because He knows you're a human being. He knows I'm a human being. And, and although we want, we, we, we try so hard to walk a straight line, you know. But every once in a while, man, you just get a little bit angry and a little bit bitter. But this is really, you know, I, this is not what He's talking about. The bitterness, the root of bitterness that she's talking about by biblical definition means apostasy from the faith. What he's warning you and I against is not going through things in life and disappointments and being bitter with things that happen, you know? Amen. Sometimes, don't you get bitter with some things that happen in life? Okay. He's talking about Bitterness, when you begin to walk away from God, you begin to apostatize and begin to walk in false doctrine. That's what He's warning against. You keep running this race. And at times, there will be false doctrine that will come to you and want to derail you, get you off the straight and narrow, get you to compromise with the Word of God. God says, no, that's a root of bitterness. Don't let that spring up inside of you. Amen. Give the Lord praise. And the next one. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as he saw. One theologian stated it this way. He said, Esau was the testosterone man of the Old Testament. What he meant by that, and again, I'm, I'm qualifying this because I know the beneficial aspects of testosterone in the body for both men and women, so I'm not saying it's bad. But I will tell you once again, if you get on testosterone, don't take it by pill. I'm just going to give you a little understanding. Don't take it by pill because that's synthetic. It'll thicken your blood. You'll have all kinds of problems. If you do need testosterone, it needs to be in, in a, uh, a bio-T type of thing. Okay? Something that your body can work with. But anyway, if you get on that, you better be careful because it will create an elevation in your desire, your libido. As a man of God, I have to stand before you and tell you these things. I don't like to talk about them, but I will tell you because it's reality. You will begin to have a battle in the area of physical attraction with testosterone. It is good, it's wonderful, but just know that it also can be a trap for you. Are you here tonight? Okay, so that's all I'm going to say. But I will say this, the man is right. When he said that Esau was the testosterone man, Old Testament equivalent of a 20th century testosterone man. A macho man. The Bible says here that he was a fornicator. We have no Old Testament record of where Esau committed fornication. 
as far as your Bible is concerned. But the Scripture says that he was a fornicator. You can laugh at it. You can make think it's funny. Okay? But this will keep you from finishing. And it's not just for the elder men, young men, teenage men, young men, you better listen to me. You better not take it lightly and joke about it. No record of that man committing fornication in the Old Testament. So the Jewish rabbis looked at that and they said, what does that mean? That Esau was a fornicator. Well, according to the Word of God, he married two daughters of Heth. They were women of the world. Those women of the world, the rabbi said, and I believe the Word of God even states it, they were a trouble to Esau's parents continually. And so the rabbi said, because he married unbelieving women and caused pain for the parents, they said that's what it means that he was a fornicator. Now, brothers and sisters, young men or young women, whoever you are, do not marry the wrong person. Don't marry somebody outside of God, an unbeliever. Because you will create misery for a believing mother and father. Pain like you can never understand will come to them. And so the Bible tells us that he was a fornicator, but we have to understand what that means. And the rabbi said it's because he married two unbelieving daughters and caused misery for his parents. The Palestinian Talmud, uh, Palestinian Targum, um, states that it's, an, it's sort of like an interpretation of the Old Testament. States that whenever he came from the field, and he was, the Bible said he was tired, and there Jacob was cooking that bowl, that pottage. When Esau came from the field tired and weary, having been hunting all day, he said, give me of that pottage. And then they had a discussion about the birthright, and he said, basically, what's this birthright to me? I'm going to die. Give me something to eat. What does that mean? He was a man of the flesh. He was all about satisfying the physical needs and gratifying the physical needs so he was willing to sell out the spiritual, sell out the things of God for a bowl of soup because that's the kind of man he was. He was only about physical things and not spiritual things. But what is interesting about the, the Palestinians, the Targum of the Talmud says this. It says that when he came out of the field and he started talking to Jacob about how tired he was and Jacob was fixing the soup and he bargained with the bowl of soup, it states there the reason why he was tired. He had just had sexual relationships with a handmaiden. And so they said, they said this man was a picture of a man. Here we go. Who was totally controlled by his libido. And this is what God is telling you and telling me in this church today. And I say to all of us that if you are controlled by your libido, then you will not finish well. You have to guard against that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why, as the theologian said, 
that Esau was the equivalent of the 20th century testosterone man. He was all about gratifying his sexual lust. That was all that he was about. And he said, if you don't want to finish well, you'd be like Esau who was a fornicator. God, let us heed the Word of God. I said, let us heed the Word of God. It is a battle. It is a temptation that every one of you, you don't, you don't slough it off, don't act like it. No, no, you hear your pastor today. It is real. When 70% of Christian men are caught up into pornography and 30% of women are caught up in Christian the world's about 80%. Are you hearing your pastor? It is a battle. I'm not going to get up here self-righteously and tell you I don't struggle with this. I'm not going to act like that I don't have a battle with I'm telling you as your pastor that we and if we want to finish this race, if we want to finish it well, we have to understand that there is a constant attack against our minds against our walk to slow us down give God some praise in this house and don't look at me like I don't have that problem there's one man teaching a course he was on spiritual warfare he was teaching some men and he said, he looked at this old 80-something year old man. He said, he's talking to the young men that were there and encouraging them along these lines about being pure and, you know. And uh, this instructor looked at the old man and he told the rest of the young men, he said, everybody here has a problem except this man, this older man. That old man lifts his hand, says, you'll have that problem till you go to the grave. At least he was honest. Amen. If you don't come to terms with it, you start you walking around. I don't got that problem. You gonna? I'll be seeing you in my office because you'll be talking to me about your failure. How many? I want to finish well now. Don't fail the grace of God. Stay in the Word. Stay in the church house. Repent of your sin if you fail. Keep yourself clean in the area of... First thing he mentioned was the failure of immorality. Amen? So he said, lest there be any fornicator. Did you know that about Esau? Because you don't read about it in the Old Testament, do you, about what he did? No. No, man, he just went from one woman to another. One woman to another. Thank God you're in the church, right? If you're a man, thank God you're in the church. Amen. If you're a woman, thank God. That is the chief characteristics of a person that's in the world. Fornication, according to Corinthians. Okay. That's right. Amen. If you if you commit that sin of fornication or adultery, 
You're not just sinning, okay? Outside the body, you're sinning against your own body. Don't destroy yourself. What is God saying? Esau started running the race. But because of what he did, he's not going to finish the race the way he began it. And God is telling you and I, if we want to finish the race, the way we started it, then don't get caught up in sexual immorality because that will be the one thing that will keep you from finishing like you began. Yes, God will forgive you, but we're talking about a race here. We're talking about finishing. As strong as we begin, give God some worship in the house. You're not strong enough to get along with, with the girl in the church. If you're a young man, you're not strong enough to be alone together. You're not strong enough. Say, well, I'm just, I don't like the rules of the pastor. You're not strong enough. It's not about the rules of your pastor. You don't have the strength to say no when the progression goes. Alright, before you know it, then you've gone too far. And how are you going to reverse it if you go all the way? How are you going to reverse it? You can't. You can't undo what's been done. You can't change what you did. It's done, brothers and sisters. Yes, God may forgive you, but that doesn't mean that it's going to go away. You can't undo that. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Like Brother Thomas said the other day, you know, this we know some people. We know a guy, mutually know this guy. His uh, recently at, at the workplace, this man he works knows well, he committed suicide, put a gun to his head, blew his just killed himself. My brother Thomas said, Man, once you take that, once you pull that trigger, there's there's no bringing it back. There's no bringing it back. Once you commit sexual sin, there's no way of undoing it. It's done. So that's why we sit in place here as the church, as your pastor. I don't, I, I don't want to be alone with a woman. Amen? I don't want you to be alone with a woman. I don't want you, if you're a man teaching Bible study to a single woman, it'll lead the wrong. You know what I'm trying to tell you. You, you, come on, somebody's common sense. I want to finish this race. She's the only, I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, before God, she's the only woman I've ever known. So far, so good. That does not mean that I haven't, uh, in, in my life, struggled with, with things, okay? Are you with me? The things I'm talking about. But I have never failed her. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to finish this race running. I don't know if you know it, but the reason why David didn't finish running, he finished walking the line was because when he was in his 50s, that's when he committed sin with Bathsheba. He wasn't some young teenage young man. He was in his 50s. When you get older, that's when the struggle is going to be more than it was when you were. You think it's hard now. Wait till you get 50. Oh, wow. 
David, David failed. He's about 50 something years of age. I won't do it. David did. But so far, so good. She's it. And in these days, to me, that's a miracle of God's power and grace. How many, I'm not going to try to get into a comparison thing here today, but how many of you can say you've only been with one? I'm talking about ever. She's it. Ever. That means I stayed pure through all my teenage years, all the way up when I was 23 years of age. I think that's when I got married. What? 23, yeah. 23. All through that testosterone raging. It can be done. Do you want to run? Do you want to finish well? Then don't fail the grace of God. Don't give in to fornication. And then the Bible says he was profane. It's a horrible word that means he just disregarded God. He just didn't make place for God in his life. Brothers and sisters, this is real. Sometimes you stand in the pulpit and you preach the Word of God and you look at people and you warn them and you tell them and they still go the wrong direction. Everybody's got to be awake. How many of you want to finish well? Profane person, somebody that disrespects God in the house of God, doesn't have a place for God in their life. They're just about the flesh. They're just about the physical. They're just about gratifying that. Man, this this hit home. Brothers and sisters, I thank God for this. When I was studying this, this this hit home, man. It it realigned me in my priorities. How many of y'all want to finish well? I don't want to walk across the line. Because of family issues. Family problems. I'm going to just encourage you, if you're married, do whatever you got to do to make it fulfilling. Okay? And you know the Bible guidelines. And there's not a whole lot in the Bible that tells you what you can't do. It gives you a lot of guidelines that tells you what you can do in the Song of Solomon. I'm just telling you, find the fountain that God has given you to be sweet. And don't go out and try a fountain somewhere else. God gave you one and you find it sweet. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise.
God wants you to be satisfied in this area of your life. He does. Amen. Your wife struggling in that area, see what you can do to correct it. If you're a man struggling in this area, see what you can do to correct it. Your marriage is at stake. Okay. Amen. Bless you. Marriage is honorable and all. Marriage is honorable and all. Amen. And the bed undefiled. But whores and whoremongers, God will judge. Lord, he said. Okay? But look at this man. What did he do when he was rejected? He sold his birthright. What did he do? He started crying. He repented with tears. Verse 17, For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. It dawned on him what he gave up. It dawned on him after the fact the price that he paid. The Bible says he went to God and he cried about it. He repented with tears. But the Bible says he found no place of repentance. Now I got a question for you. Does that mean when he committed this, this act of fornication, selling his birthright, and he went to God, he's crying, God, forgive me for my sin. Does that mean when it says he found no place of repentance, does that mean that God was not willing to forgive the man? No. You go to God in tears and, and ask God to forgive you. God will forgive you if you sincerely go to Him in prayer. What it's saying is He couldn't change the outcome. That's what it means. What it means is He couldn't finish the race the way He he couldn't change that. It was lost opportunity that could not be recovered. I believe God will forgive you. He says He'll forgive you everything except for blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Taking the name of the Lord God in vain. He'll forgive you. But the problem is, brothers and sisters, you can't undo what you did. That's what it means. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. This man Esau, if he made it, he made it limping across the line. 
He didn't just walk across the line. He limped across the line if he even made it at all. You can give yourself so to the flesh, young man, and so disregard God. You do that. You may come to an altar and say, God, forgive me of my sin, and I believe God would do it. You just remember what your pastor's telling you. You can't undo what you did. You think about it then before you do it. What God is saying, you're going to live with it for the rest of your life. Before you do it, remember that. How many of you want to finish well? How many of y'all want to run this race? And you want it when you cross the line. You're going, to, you're going to be running when you cross the line. You don't want this in your life. You don't want to fail of the grace of God. You don't want a root of bitterness creeping up inside of you and defiling you. You don't want to be a fornicator, a profane person. What he's saying, these are things not to do if you want to finish well. Some of y'all are single. You're faced on a daily basis. Women in the world, men in the world, coming around you, they have no morals. They'll seduce you. Do you want to finish well? It's not that, well, I'm going to go, I'll go ahead and do it and then God will forgive me. I'll go to church Sunday and after I do it, I'll go to church Sunday and ask God to forgive me and God will forgive me. He might. But then you got to deal with it. The consequences, man. Somebody said amen. Go over to two Second Timothy four and verse seven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's it's so important in this race that we run. that we subject ourselves. We make careful decisions in the area of morality. We make careful decisions that we don't mishandle finances. We make careful decisions concerning our family. We make careful decisions not to allow our ego to get out of control and pride and abuse power. We got to make careful decisions not to plateau and get into a place where we're now just coasting or we're just kind of floating along into mediocrity because we think we've done enough. You've got to keep running. What to do? Pick up your hands. Pick up your feet. You're tired. You're weary. I know you are. I know you are. You don't have to tell me. I know you are. Come on, man. Get back in the race. Get your hands.
and your feet. Get some people next to you. Run with you to encourage you. Finish it. Don't fail the grace of God. Confess your sin. Get the Word of God. Keep coming to church. Make that a priority. Don't be profane, a church hater. That's a, a fane is a temple. Profane means a church hater. Don't be a church hater, God hater. Don't be a fornicator. Amen? Or a profane man. If you want to finish well. Come on, God knows what He's talking about. I mean, how many, brothers and sisters, how many things could He have picked and said, if you do, you'll finish well? How many things could God have said, if you want to finish well, don't do this? And He isolated it in those things. It's really not that hard. Amen. Somebody said amen. To Timothy. These are life principles that we need. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Okay, ready? This is what Paul said. I told you Peter, Paul, and Joshua were pictures of men who finished running. Finished well. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, and not only me only, but unto all them which love His appearance. Amen. Now I know that sounds just like a boxing analogy, but some people even carry this passage into the running aspect, okay? And I don't know how they do it, but they do. But either way, whether you're boxing or you're running, it's the same thing. Paul, the Bible says, he said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I kept the faith. Again, what does that mean? He's saying the struggle I went through is over. The suffering I went through is over. The battle I went through, it's over. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Victory never ends, but struggle will. Don't forget that. Sometimes when it gets so hard, you just want to give up. Remember, it's not going to be like this forever. Someday, for the joy, I want to keep running. I'm going to tough it up. I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to get some grit. Amen. It's going to be good. It's going to be good someday. It's going to be good someday. It's going to be worth it all someday. Hallelujah. And I want you to be with me. And I want to be with you. But you're going to have to come along sometimes and say, come on, Pastor. I love you. I care about you. I encourage you. Come on, man. I know you get tired sometimes. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. You know. You know what? You don't even have to come and tell me that. If, you, if I just see you running... That's encouragement to me. I just see you run. That's all. Making good decisions. Good, good, 
Decision in the area of morality. Good decision in the area of your finances. Good decision in the area of your family. Good decisions in the area of not letting your ego run rampant. Good decisions not allowing yourself to plateau but staying motivated. You've got that in your life. I'm going to be okay. Amen. All finished. He ran and ran and ran and ran. He ran so hard and so fast. All the way to the finish line. He could make that declaration. There's a crown of righteousness laid up for me in heaven. I'm not going to read this, but you'll remember the story of Jacob. Jacob walked with a limp. But Jacob didn't walk with a limp because of failure. Jacob walked with a limp because he met God. You know, you know how you know somebody, and this is not original with me, I think it was Stott, S-T-O-T-T, that made this statement. It's not original with me. He said, you know how you can tell when somebody has met God? And his answer was, they walk with a limp. They walk with a limp. If you've ever met God, you'll never be the same again. You'll walk with a limp physically. He, he, Jacob walked with a limp physically. You may never walk with a limp physically, but you'll walk with a limp in your pride. You won't be as prideful as you used to be. You can tell when a man or woman's walking with God, or they've seen God, their pride's limping. When Jacob met God, he walked with a limp physically, and he walked with a limp in his pride and his ego for the rest of his life. He leaned against that staff for the rest of his life. Everywhere he sent, everywhere he walked, he was saying, I'm trusting in God. I'm not trusting in my strength. He touched the hollow of my thigh. I'm trusting in God to give me the strength that I need in my life. So I'm walking with a limp because I met God. If you take time and read the verses, and I won't do it, but in the 32nd chapter, we see him meeting with God. 33rd chapter, his pride turned to... Amen. Lowliness. Genesis 33.3. His pride turned into lowliness. Genesis 33.10-11. His greed turned into generosity. In Genesis 33 and verse 20. His self-reliance turned into worship. I'm going to give it to you again because I know I'm going to be bombarded after church. I believe it was 32, 31, Jacob met God and limped. His ego and his body. His pride turned to lowliness. 33, 3. His greed to generosity. 33, 10 through 11. Self-reliance into worship. 33, 20. The question for everybody here today, including me, 
Has the habits of your life changed? Have the habits of your life changed? Have you met the Lord? If you have, you'll walk with a limp. Instead of prideful, you'll be lowly. Instead of greedy, you'll be generous. Instead of self-reliant, you'll become a worshiper. Run this race to finish well in your life. Amen? You've sinned against God. You're grieving over that. Put it under the blood and keep going. Keep going. You, you might, I'm, I can't promise you as your pastor, I can't tell you by the Word of God, you're going to finish as strong as you began. If you've got sin and weight in your life, I can't tell you that. I'm going to tell you, that's why you don't want to do some of these things. But I can tell you, you can keep running. You repent. You keep running. Don't quit. Don't quit. Hallelujah. Hope this has been a blessing to you. Hope it's encouraging, <laughs> encouraging to you. Because when you get close to the end of the race, it gets more and more difficult. Amen? So when you leave tonight, I pray that you take the Word of God and the things that you've been taught, put them into application. Okay? Do something with it, please. Because I want you to win. And I really, I just, honestly, I don't care if I get first place. You go zipping by me, you know what I mean? You go zipping by me, I'll be happy. I mean, I'll be, I'm going to do my best to keep up with you. But if I can't, I'm just going to say, praise the Lord, go, brother. Go, sister. Amen. I get a rope to lasso you and have you pull me in. <laughs> Amen. I don't have to be first, but I do want to run. Amen. I want to run, okay? And, uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I know God's proud of you. Amen. Because you could have made decisions. You know. You, you, just, you decided to be here. You decided to be here. Amen. How many of y'all? Every one of us know we can make decisions, right? Choices, and, and none of us have to be here, but we are. So we're still running. Amen, Brother Timothy. God bless you. I love all of you, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Brother Randall Medina and Sister Kristen back there going to get married Saturday. I know, I know they're all excited and praise the Lord. It's, it's just the beginning of the race, not the end, man. You know? You know what? So y'all please keep them in prayer. You know, that, that's a really big, big deal, right? So please keep them in prayer. And I know you will because you're, you're their church family. And you, they need your prayers. Okay? So, amen. Alright, would you please stand? Just want to 
say thank you, commend you. Those of you who are running and running so hard and so long. And sometimes I know you get tired, weary, and say stupid things and do stupid things. And you know what? I still love you. Of course, I never do any stupid things. I never say any stupid things. So, Amen. Well, let's just keep running together. I mean, you know, seriously. I mean, you're running a marathon, you probably have spit going out the side of your mouth. <laughs> your brother or sister running next to you, and you got spit flying out of your mouth and hitting them in the face. And, oh, sorry, brother. Sorry, sister. I'm just running. I mean, things happen when you're running in a race. I mean, you know, you don't always look the best, right? You're a mess. Amen. But it's a race. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a blessed, 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 blessed rest of the week. Amen.